This episode was recorded on the country of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Eastern Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past and present. I would also like to acknowledge the significant contributions made by other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to life in Australia. Welcome to Weekend Better. I'm Kirsty Costa. I'm a teacher, science communicator and nature lover. And it is my pleasure to introduce you to another nature lover, Christine Parrot. Christine's love of animals was created by a budgie called Patty. Growing up in Canada, we had a budgie, which was more of an unusual pet, and his name was Paddy. I think he was a little bit older, so we never learned how to speak, but he was certainly very much loved by the family and would fly around the house. We would never keep him caged kind of family. I'd call him at night, and we lived in a two-story house, and I'd say, Paddy, Paddy, time for bed, and he would come up and lie on the pillow beside me until my parents did put him back into the cage for the night. So I think I always had a bit of an affinity with birds, but it wasn't that I was a naturalist kind of child. That wasn't sort of my um, my family of origin. We traveled, but weren't really into the outdoors as such. But I think I've always been a noticer of details and an observer of things and really like to um, be attentive to what's going on around me. And I think it was 2013, a friend of mine had been up to the Northern Territory and she was overwhelmed by all the birds that she saw and came back with a bird book. And we both just got really enthusiastic about it. We did a little day hike out to Werribee Gorge, managed to get lost, which is seemingly impossible because it is pretty small. But I think we saw um, a gathering of about 10 to 15 black-faced cuckoo shrikes. And neither of us had seen those birds before. And we were like, what is that? And we were trying to be excellent birders and we were commenting and trying to cement in our minds what we were seeing. They have a black face and a long, slim, gray body, you know, just memorizing the characteristics so we could go home and look it up in the book. And I think that was something that really prompted that real interest in me to sort of be more aware of birds. And so I was a bit of a long-term awkward beginner and then went up to Darwin for eight months working up there. And I think just being amongst all the birds there was pretty exciting, and that's probably where most of my enthusiasm came from. A spark bird is the bird that got you hooked on birding, and I love the Christine spark bird was the black-faced cuckoo shrike. Daryl Jones told us about this bird in episode 49 and explained that it is neither a cuckoo nor a shrike, but it is named that because it looks like a combo of the two. As Christine mentioned, it has a black face and a large grey body, and I just love its call. It's so metallic. Listen to episode 49 if you want to know more about this species. Christine is here to share the joys of watching birds from an apartment window in inner Melbourne. Here's how it all started. I'm living in a giant apartment building, which was never my desire, I would say. But I guess it's a smaller footprint, so that was sort of important in terms of the individual place that we live. But what really drew us to this particular apartment was that we are in the inner city, but we are right on the Birrarung or the Yarra River. So it's quite an incredible place because we are looking out onto historical forest. Like this is bush that has been around for generations. It's quite amazing to then also be so close to the city. It's also the intersection just up from us, just past Dates Falls of Mary Mary Creek and the Beerarung. Um, so you do get to see a large variety of bird life. We're in an apartment that sort of faces towards the river and we have, well, we used to have two gorgeous trees, but unfortunately they've just chopped one down. 
but it's looking out on a non-native tree, it feels like we're in the treetops. So we're in this vantage point of being able to see birds that perhaps you might not normally see so clearly, but they're just there right in front of us. And I'd heard a podcast a number of years ago about a man who was recording the weather and every day he would mark down the temperature and with the level of snow. And I kind of had this idea again during lockdown, I think when a lot of people's new ideas sort of sprouted and took fruition of trying to keep track of the birds that I was seeing on our balcony, but then also on that sort of half hour walk that I was allowed to do during lockdown. And we're really fortunate considering that we are in an apartment that there is quite a bit of bird life that does come come by and sit in this tree. I also have decked out our balcony in probably more plants than actually fit in that space. But I think that's also a bit of an enticement for birds to come. And so I've been keeping track. It's been handy now that I work from home a lot of the time, so I can observe things a little bit more during the day. So it's been for the last three years that I've been been tracking this. And while I wouldn't say I've done it every single day because sometimes I'm not here and sometimes there just aren't any birds, it's been really nice to be able to look back. I did that last night before this interview just to sort of see what I had seen and if there were really if there were any patterns and just to kind of be reminded of all those experience. I saw that a sacred kingfisher had landed nearby and I don't to be honest, I don't even remember that. So if I didn't have that recorded, that wouldn't be something that I would remember. You know, there are some regular attenders, the fairy wrens, the gray fantails, the brown thornbills and the partalotes. Um, and also the willy wagtails. And so I think it's also just been interesting to sort of see seasonally, but also just um, what's changed with the environment. Like obviously our apartment complex and those around the area have changed the habitat of the birds that are here. So just to see that they have kind of returned perhaps to where they haven't been able to live for a little while. So as the tree has grown up, they've been able to comfortably return and feel safe, particularly the little birds. Since this podcast kicked off, I've been a bit stunned to discover how many Australian birds will migrate in the search for food, water, shelter and a place to raise their young, even if it's only travelling a few kilometres. So I think it's really cool that Christine has been keeping track of her local birds throughout the seasons. She says that there have been some wonderful surprises. This year a real surprise was when I saw a bird that I thought, what is this bird? So it was, of course, a little brown bird but had very distinctive big black eyes. I looked in my bird books and tried to figure it out. Then I did ask for help from a bird friend that is a lot more knowledgeable than I am. It was a female golden whistler. And I was excited about that because, you know, we have never seen them here. And then she came again um, a week or so later. And then she turned up with the whole family. So one day I looked out the window and I was saying to myself, what is that? And it was the male golden whistler, as well as the mother and juvenile or baby. I'm not really sure how old, but it was different enough. It had a smaller and lighter colored beak than the mother. So there were sort of these distinctions about it that made me think it was the child. I just thought, what an amazing experience to be able to see that so closely and just have them hanging out in the tree for a while. They haven't been back, but just as a family, they came in and visited for a little while. We've had partalotes, spotted partalotes that have visited us. They are often a little bit brave to their detriment because they do come onto the balcony and flit around. And we do have a cat, so we are very careful of that. But it seems almost like they're just wanting to fly in the face of the cat and just risk their lives sometimes. So over the last two or so years, I've really noticed them doing that. And then this year, they started to dig around in one of our pot plants. 
Then they moved on to a flower box and both the male and female took turns digging, um, digging tunnels, trying to create a nest. And it was the most amazing thing to watch because I could see them. One would stand in the tree, the other would go and dig, and then they would swap and do reverse rolls. The male would call out with that typical sort of two, two note call when the female wasn't around and it would break my heart every time because I, of course, assumed the worst. But then she would return. But also she had a call that I hadn't heard before that was more of a, a keening um, sound that she would call for him if he wasn't around. That was really nice because I hadn't, um, I hadn't heard that before and hadn't been able to find a recording of that even. They have moved on because store-bought soil doesn't really hold its weight very well and all the tunnels have collapsed. Thank goodness before they actually um, nested, but it was a real treat while they were there. You can find out more about whistlers and hear their songs in episode 39. And you can find out more about partaloats in episode 37. There are two species living in Melbourne, the spotted and the striated partaloat. During breeding season, from June to January, partaloats will change their tune to attract a mate. I wonder whether that's what Christine was hearing. I only recently realised that partaloats build nests at the base of trees or by tunnelling into piles of dirt and sand, which is what Christine could see on her balcony. They also build nests in pipes and garage roller doors. Let's listen to the two calls. Can you tell which one is spotted and which one is striated? Here's the first call. And here's the second partaloat call. If you guessed spotted partaloat first and striated partaloat second, you were correct. Well done, friend. How lucky is Christine to see both whistlers and partaloats while standing on her apartment balcony? She says that watching and listening to birds has totally changed her life for the better. We do have a number of Nankeen night herons that I've noticed down by the river and they have come up at seasonally. Um, so I've been able to watch those and that's really nice because I do get to see them as they're fishing and, you know, doing their things and, and seeing what happens when the river is higher after the flood and who's coming out at that time. And even just watching seagulls fishing for their food, I think it's a really um, opportune spot. And I think I don't ever take it for granted because I think I'm very, very lucky to be living where I am and having those exposure sites so close to home and being able to appreciate it. And I've completely um, changed the setup of our living room so that I have a chair sitting right by the door so I can watch all the action, which I'm sure my non-birding husband doesn't appreciate too much. I am absolutely that bird nerd person who is talking about birds a lot and trying to um, teach other people about them and get people excited about them. Whether it's an age thing or just also really appreciating nature now, but it has been such a good thing being able to come home from work or finish my work day if I am working from home and just go outside and be enveloped by green from the trees and that sort of soothing, calming effect that that has being amongst forest and trees and plants. And then just the joy that does come from from watching birds and being entertained by all their antics. That's the thing that that I really enjoy about them. Like I do get very excited seeing birds I already know and already have seen because they really have such personalities. And so being able to see them so closely is really exciting because you do get to be entertained. And it's a much nicer form of entertainment than than watching TV all the time. It's my own David Attenborough video going on off my balcony rail. 
So I think that it has absolutely been quite a mindfulness activity because I think it is something where you are stopping and just being still and being aware of what's happening around you and just letting that sort of wash over you. Christine has fallen in love with Australian birds so deeply that they are now a cornerstone of her art practice. In fact, she's created a little art business called P for Parrot. Back in April 2020, so this was early on in the lockdown, like many people, I took part in an illustration challenge on Instagram. There's often plenty of those around at different times of the month. And while this one wasn't about birds, it had prompts for things like party hat or popcorn. And I sort of had this idea of just drawing birds that were connected to those items and then just writing funny little stories about it as well. P for party, P for popcorn. Without the pictures, they don't actually sound very funny. But anyway, from that point, (laughs) I just started experimenting a little bit more. Um, I've always enjoyed drawing and I just tried it out doing digital illustration. That hadn't been something that I'd done before, but it was an opportunity to try it. And from that, I was able to set up a print-on-demand site and and have a little store. And I think it's kind of nice to be able to have that flowing on from one interest, so the appreciation side from seeing it live, but also then to be able to share my love that way as well, being able to share illustrations and drawings that way. So uh, I mentioned that my spark word had been the blackface cuckoo shrike in April of this year. We had a couple that visited and were sitting in the tree out there outside the balcony. And I was prompted to draw that for the friend who we saw the birds together. So P for particular habit is the name that I gave for that drawing because they have a habit of shuffling their wings as they settle. I think finding out those really quirky, interesting facts about birds is also just makes them even more dimensional. Like it just gives them even more context and and creates more interest and excitement for me, I think, as well. I went with P for parrot because growing up, everyone just naturally assumed that was my last name because it's, I guess, a slightly unpronounceable last name or people don't, people aren't familiar with how to pronounce my last name. And when I was young, I was like, no, that's not it. But then I just got to a point when I started to enjoy birds that I thought, well, I might as well embrace that and go with it. So P for Parrot was born out of that. And I think parrots are definitely some of my favorite birds. I absolutely love gang gangs. And I really am always entertained by silver crested cockatoos. I think they're so simply beautiful that they're real, um, a real highlight to see those. You will find links to Christine's artwork in the show notes. One of the apps that has helped Christine identify birds is called BirdNet. It's a partnership done between the Cornell Lab of Ornithology and now, excuse my pronunciation, the Chemnitz University of Technology in Germany. And I was having a little look at who the people were and putting it together. And most are bioacousticians. And basically, it's it's the Shazam for birds. So they took 5 million samples to train the network. And you then can use it, hold it up to the bird sound, and it will give you an idea of what the birds are. So I like it as well because it shows the sound pattern on whatever that graph is called. I'm not saying it's the most perfect tool ever. Yes, it totally makes mistakes. And if there's a lot of background bird noises, you might not um, be able to get the accurate the accurate bird. But what I like about it is I'm not always very prepared in my birding, as in I don't always do research as to what I might find in the area. I might have a bit of an idea, but 
that's not how I spend my time and it's not my personality, but I also want to be ready for what I need to see. So I like this tool because if I hear a bird, then it gives me a bit of an idea of what it is. And from that, I can quickly have a look to see what it looks like, what habitat it's in, because it links to that data, all those photos. So that information is available. Um, And then you can save your recordings as records and it shows you where you've recorded them as well. So I've got plenty from around here, many of which inevitably end up being a brown thornbill. So much variety in those brown thornbills culls. It's so good when I hear something, I think that sounds like dot, dot, dot. And then I do the recording and sometimes it turns out that I'm correct. So it's kind of this nice feeling of well, maybe I do know a few bird sounds out there. And that's sort of how I feel as well when I see a bird, you know, and I'm seeing it for the first time. It's like, goodness, this is the first time I've seen this bird. It's so great. I also use BirdNet and it's been really helpful. It's free. Find it in your app store. And we've got a whole episode coming up about detecting and recording bird calls. Over the past four years, Christine has learned about the role that smaller spaces have in providing habitat for local birds. What I've learned living here and just being observant to what is in my immediate surrounds is that I don't need a big garden. Sometimes I really wish I had it, but I think I'm so thankful that I can just have this space here and have created a bit of a space as well where it is bird friendly with the trees and bushes that are are nearby. Anywhere you are in the world, birds will be there and it doesn't necessarily need to be the big garden. I think we can learn and enjoy what's there in front of us. And even if it's not always different birds, as something that I've appreciated is seeing their little personalities and how they, they do interact. They're creatures engaging with each other. And I think that's, that's really exciting. And I'm really glad that it's something that I have, have taken an interest in and spent my time doing, even though it's, it's a little bit of an odd, I, well, like, I don't have to say it's an odd habit here because we're all enjoying it. <laughs> what a delightful way to spend this time together. Many thanks to Christine for volunteering to come on the show and talk about birding from her balcony. You can support her by following her on social media and buying one of her very sweet artworks. And a special shout out to Mark Anderson for providing the bird call recordings. And many thanks to you, Weekend Birder listener. I'm so grateful you're here. Turns out that there are thousands of you tuning in from around the world each week. It kind of blows my mind. Hearing your topics, birdwatching stories, or just about how you enjoy listening to the podcast makes all this effort worthwhile. In the next episode, we're going to do a deep dive about a bird superstar. Speak to you then. <laughs>